Brother, this is a long time coming. I know, man. I know. I know with your schedule, my schedule, and everything we got going on, you know, it's a long time coming, man. I've been a big fan of yours forever. I remember living in Pennsylvania, you know, just getting into bodybuilding. I was going to Penn State, seeing you on the covers, seeing you lifting, seeing you dominating all the shows. And then I got to know you from mutual friends. And I'm like, man, and what impresses me, Mike, is your longevity. I mean, gosh, man, I mean, we know, we know you're not 25 anymore, but you look 25, 30. 27. 27. 27, 27, right, 27 yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I have a bunch of questions. I'm going sh- to shoot you a bunch of random, random questions. Well, we got to first give a shout to uh, Rez for making all this happen. You know, big shout out to my boy, Sean Rez, for making this happen. The introduction, the proper introduction. The proper, right. You know, and, right. and, and, you know I, I came to Gold's Gym, didn't know what to expect. You know, we came in and, you know, you were just, as advertised, man, you know, real genuine, real cool. You know, and I was like, man, I was, I was kind of a little starstruck, you know, and, and I was like, I don't know, you know, because like I said, I've seen you all, you know, I've seen you for years, you know, and I've, I've mad respect for what you have done in the fitness industry. Thank you, man. You know, Thank and you. you're somebody that I've always looked up to. So that makes you old. Yep. That makes Thank you old. Thank you. Thank you. Right? <laughs> and... and I am too old to uh, fake it, so (laughs) we've been around before social media, so um, uh, man, I'm glad you made it, I'm glad we we got a little workout in this morning. Oh my God, Uh, let's talk about the workout for a second, man, I mean, Jesus, you know. How long um, have you been working out for? I've been working out for 30 years, but you did some stuff, a couple of things today I've never done before. And that's what I, I love when I'm working with people that understand and, and without me saying anything, can see the difference. And we talked about that today. We talked about uh, can you get the workout in um, with less mileage and still get the work done? And that was one of the things that um, I hate. I I do. I I hate saying why I'm doing something. I'd rather you do it with me and then afterwards you understand the process. It's that whole Bruce Lee, you know, it's not enough to do it. And then you'll be able to answer your own question. What What did you feel? I felt like I just fucked up the last 30 years. You know what I mean? I was, telling, I was telling my crew that was with me, I'm like, I feel like I did everything wrong for the past 30 years because, you know, when I first came in, you were warming up, but you, instead of warming up, I'm usually used to warming up with like 15, 20 reps, you know, putting a lot of work in. But when I came in, I see you guys just like one or two reps. You know, you're warming up. Like you, your warm-up was heavy, you know, going up progressively heavier, heavier, and heavier. And then you went to the working sets, you know, which... I've never, in the 30 years I've worked out, I've never done it that way. It's always been the opposite, right? And I felt better. I felt better. I remember you telling me, no, 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 you know, keep, keep your energy for what it counts the most. And, you know, it just totally makes sense. Always, it, it, it clicked. That's why I love just coming in and just getting a different insight on how to work out. Yeah, I think that goes back to when we were talking about you and I want longevity. Yeah, um, at this age for sure. Yeah, right. And, and I think one of the things I figured out early on is, um, for me, and longevity is tougher when you decide to have it later. It's a huge thing. Yeah. And 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 and, and talking to twenty-year-olds because I remember being twenty mm-hmm. and how stubborn I was, talking to twenty-year-olds and say. Uh, because I get the I get the questions by the thirty five and the forty fives and the fifties, but the problem is a lot of the times it's too late. Yeah. Um, because the stuff that I was doing when I was twenties, or even uh, uh, um, even further back than that, because I started modeling when I was fourteen, fifteen. So um, there was things I was doing in those years that set me up for future success. Mm-hmm. Um, did it take longer? Hundred yeah. percent. But 
I wish more kids would listen. And I keep trying to figure out how to talk to the kids. And I'm trying to think of me and how you were. You know, like you said something earlier, you know, when you were a certain way until you were 35. Same way for me. I I didn't have my first child until I was 50. Because I'm, I admit it, I'm a selfish kind of guy. And and I like my time and my my things my way. Um, And so it took a long time for me to change. And uh, you and I am are trying to teach the young how to do it, um, but it's a hard thing to teach. So, so when you were in your 20s and you were stubborn and things like that, you, at that time, you didn't think about longevity, did you? Or, or, or yeah, I did. Or you did? Yeah. And that's why, because that's what I'm saying, because, you know, that's why you still are able to maintain it, because, you know, I didn't. I didn't. Most you know, people don't. I didn't. You know, and I don't, you know, I started, you know, every year my shoulder acts up. And for a few days, you know, it, it's pretty bad. This year, it acted up, and I felt like somebody put a knife to it, you know. And for a week, it was like excruciating, a 10 out of 10 pain. And I'm like, you know what? Finally, I'm like, you know, let me go see the doctor. I'm like, maybe it's a rotator cuff. You know, we can fix that. Not a problem. No, the doctor took an x-ray on my left shoulder, and he goes, dude, you have severe arthritis. Mm-hmm. You know, severe arthritis. So you have, you know, you know, two choices. You know, three choices. Live with it. You know, try, you know, some, some injections. You know, to be able to soak some corticosteroids or, 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 or some, um, some um, exosomes, you know, PRP, you know, and, or, you know, we should wait 10 years and get, you know, whole shoulder replacement. I'm like, dude, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? So, um, so then it re- re- I realized that in all those years, I kind of abused my body. You know, I abused, you know, the way I was working out, you know, and when I see you, that's why I was like, dude, like you, you, you can still lift heavy I and mean, you're not perfect form. You're able to maintain this whole heavy lifting. Because I remember watching you. You know, everybody always raved how strong you were. I talked to Ed Milet. I remember I was like, dude, I worked out with him. This guy, I can't, you know, I can't keep up. You know, and, and I go, you know, how does he do it? Because I'm like, this is joints, this hurt. Because you knew at that age, you, you, yeah. you took a And tell me, tell, me, tell me about that a little bit. Um, a couple things happened early on. Uh, there was, first of all, I was set up in, in, in like the most perfect setting. Uh, growing up with uh, nine brothers and sisters, I got to see them all do what they did. And, and we were kind of bred in our family. Um, everybody did martial arts, powerlifting, bodybuilding. And this is the girls, too. It was five and five. That is cool. Where were you? Where were you so, uh, Kirkland, Washington. Okay. Costco was made because of our family. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, if you guys didn't know, that's why it's called Kirkland Brand Costco. Uh, first Costco was up in Kirkland. So, uh, yeah, I, we grew up there, um, and my mom was a martial artist. My dad was a bodybuilder, football player. Wow. And so um, they didn't ask us to do anything, um, but they set up the house in such a way that uh, downstairs, two-story house, downstairs was all bunk beds my dad made, and uh, the rest of the hole downstairs was a gym. So we grew up with that. And so I'm the youngest boy, and I'm watching all my brothers lift. And, you know, I'm getting my ass kicked from them. But that happens for little brothers. But I'm getting my ass kicked from my sisters, too, <laughs> that did martial arts. And I'm like, I got to make sure that I'm, you know, lifting and training and doing everything. And so I got to see them. Um, now, I also got to see the other side of this. Uh, I saw my older brothers uh, and, and uh, sisters do steroids. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I saw the uh, incredible benefits from it and then I saw the other side of it I saw that I move like a turtle 
or a tortoise, if you've got to go the tortoise and the hare. Um, and these guys would just jump ahead and get so much stronger and bigger in a short period of time. And then they would lose it. And then they would do it again and get stronger and bigger again. And then they would come back. And I'd be over here, and I was too young at that time, you know, even to think what this was or understand it. And I just continued forward and continued forward. And then um, it doesn't help that I'm an Irishman, so I'm stubborn as heck. Um, and so I, as I continued to move forward, I would slowly catch one of my older brothers. And he would get ahead of me and then come back and get ahead of me. And then there was this whole pattern where they'd go like this and that whole bounce. And you understand yep. that with, with steroids, Absolutely. they don't do them all the time and, and you can't maintain it. Absolutely. Um, and it's filling your body up and then you, I've, you're off. I've taken, them, you know, I've taken them when I was competing. So you so understand. I, I totally, I get it. And so I noticed that with each of them, I would slowly catch and then I'd pass one. And then they would keep doing the stuff and then become a, a certain point where they couldn't catch me again, yeah. regardless of what they did. And I kept doing that through brother, through brother, through brother. And by 17, I was in the magazines. I started like modeling and competing at 13 and 14. And, and real, quick, real quick, you know, is it true that you are in the more, more cover of magazines than anybody else except Arnold? Is that a, yeah, is that, that's is true. That a fact? That's, that's true. That's actually wow. a fact. It was years ago that's that it was already established. That's pretty badass. We, we crushed it. I, uh, um, yeah, first time in the magazines was 17. Gosh. So. Um, by uh, 19 and 20, uh, Joe Weider got uh, wind of me, and uh, we met, and then he flew me down to California. And he said, I'm, I'm putting you up, take care of your contract and all that stuff. And uh, I was at a photo shoot, and this is when it really, I'm still young. Mm -hmm. I'm 20, but I'm s extremely strong. Um, I was already strong by 15, doing a six and a six and a four. <laughs> and so... I'm winning the state powerlifting, and by 17, my dad would stop me from competing against teenagers and only compete against men in both bodybuilding and powerlifting shows. By 19... It wasn't fair at that time, competing against teenagers. Well, he, he didn't see the point in it. He goes, yeah. Yeah. you're going to compete against men yeah. when you turn 20, 21, yeah. you know. So why are you... And, and I thought it was a great point, and I liked... I he, he always wanted, liked. He wanted you to be that small fish in a big pond. Yeah. He didn't want, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and that... And that, and that yeah, Anytime that, that's you're the awesome. big fish, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not going to get better. Yeah. And I remember at 19 taking second to uh, Bull Stewart, who's a Hall of Fame powerlifter. And I was 19. Could have done the teenagers, but I went against the men and took second in the nationals in powerlifting. And I thought that was the coolest thing because Bull Stewart, and still friends today, it, it was like this uh, black Hercules. Just He was a powerlifter um, and drug tested, uh, but we did an 815 deadlift and 815 squat and, and had a body like Mr. Universe. And I'm like... Wow, if this is possible, still at this young age, because most power because I would are see puffy him. and bloated, right? Puff and bloated. You know, most powerlifters. I mean, I remember when I was starting out in in. I wanted to become a bodybuilder. Right. You know, my coach was a powerlifter that used to be a bodybuilder, and you know, they all walked around, you know, lifting heavy weights, but they looked like shit. They looked like shit. I mean, they were all bloated. They were all like face like this, big belly, and you know, the the thing back then. How old were you then? I was 18. Okay. You know, and you know, what we, what we did, our protocol was this. We go lift some heavy weights and we go to all you can eat buffet. Yeah. That's what we did. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's what was like, hey, you got to be able to do this if you want to put on mass. You got to gain all this. But most of the weight was junk, was fat, bloat, you know what I mean, water. But, but 
Was there a, a stereotype at that time too that it's like because uh, of the gym you're training at? Because I'll tell you what my gym was like, but it was like, no, no, this is what's cool. Yeah. Uh, being like these guys isn't cool because they're weak and they look good, but they're weak. Oh yeah, it's oh, better yeah. to be this kind of heavy set guy oh, yeah. that's strong. And I was like, you, I didn't. I was like, why not be both? Yeah. Um. And I, because I grew up in a gym that was a powerlifting gym, and and my commonality or or, or what I thought was normal was a 600-pound bench or a 900-pound deadlift. Because I'm sitting there training with a guy named Jeff Magruder, Doyle Kennedy, Doug Furness, Ed Cohen, not knowing at this young age that these guys aren't just strong, but they're the strongest in the world. And I'm at this gym thinking, this is normal. And I think you understand this. If you go to a fitness center and, and the strong guy there is 315, what's that say to everybody? Not that strong. Or, 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 or he's or, the strongest there. He's there's the strongest the there, and 315 is a good squat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, oh. Gotcha. You go to a new gym, you see a guy do 365 on the squat, and you're like, whoa, haven't seen that before. But you grow up with the mindset of 900 is average, a 600 bench is average. Um, that's a great thing. Yeah. And it is, it goes back to what I think you and I both believe in is your circle of people that you surround yourself. Wow. Right? Wow. Now, now doing that at a young life, age? Right? In everything in life. I remember my, well, you know, when I first moved to California and two places I wanted to visit. I wanted to visit Compton because all the rap songs talking about Compton. Like, I have okay. a picture of me, okay. me parking my car by the Compton sign and flexing like, hey, I'm a Compton. Believe it or not. You know, and then I went to Gold's Gym. You know, I, I came to Gold's Gym and I remember, you know, in Pennsylvania, I, I won um, my division in Mr. Pittsburgh. And I'm like, I thought I was big and bad. I was like, you know, 185 pounds, you know, whatever this and that. You know, I came in, you know, to Gold's Gym. I walked in and, you know. What year? My, what year? This was in 1996. Good years. You know, and I, I, yeah, exactly. Gold's yeah, Venice, yeah, good yeah, years. Yeah. I walked in. I thought I was a man because I was a man in my little town. I walked in. I saw women that were bigger than me. Yeah. Right away. I mean, as soon as, the first two women was like this, I'm like, oh, shit. Let me go and cover <laughs> my cover up. Let me put a sweatshirt on. I mean, like, it, like, it, like, totally, you know, opened my mind is what's possible. I seen guys and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then that, that's where I was like, okay, I, I got to step my game up. I love that. I love that. I mean, because, I mean, mostly mid-90s. Mid-90s. Uh, one of the big things for me is, but I'll go back to the one story, but let me just finish because you said something. You said you wanted to put something back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I was 13, I started wearing sweat clothes, uh, and I never went away from that aspect because uh, I never, it's funny. Just It's a little thing for me. Um, but I don't do tanks, I don't do shorts, I don't do anything like that until I have a better physique than like Arnold or, or, or Robbie Robinson or something. And it's my way of showing respect that there's no way I should walk around in a tank top and show on my stuff unless I'm better than those guys. And that's just me, and, and, um, and so, it's something so, so, I so, never so, changed since so, I was 30. So when you work out, you yeah. don't wear shorts or tank top? Never. 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 And you got, you, I mean, you're like Quadzilla. I've seen your quads. I mean, holy shit, doesn't get bigger quads than that. Yeah. I, I don't wow. do it out of a couple things. One is... Uh, uh, that, that, that's just your, that's how you that's, that's my mentality yeah. of until I am better than them, I shouldn't show it. Gosh, um, I, I need to really cover up. It's, well, it's just, it's just it's my way of showing <laughs> yeah. uh, appreciation yeah. and respect to I know that what true... True potential. Also, uh, I don't want to get carried away uh, uh, posing around. Yeah. Um, the gym is 
the same aspect to me as a guy that's working on a car in a garage. What do they do? First thing they do is they go in and they put on their overhauls because they're going to get down on the ground, get under there. There's going to be grease and oil, and they're going to get dirty, and they're going to do their stuff. And that's my same approach in the gym. You go, I don't want to go get in. the work done. I go in there to train. Um, I don't need to see the muscle to know that I'm working the muscle. Uh, you never see your back. And if you can't isolate it, and, and what I always say is being able to see it without looking, then you're not going to get a physique. Because you're just kind of going through the motions or you're looking in the mirror seeing what's working. But that means there's body flaws. Um, you're not going to see your hamstrings. You're not going to see your back. And unless you can mind a muscle, it's no point. So there's a whole bunch of reasons why I'll cover up. I'll go in to do the work. Um, I'll, I'll train at 4 in the morning. We, um, we were training at the same time. Tell, yeah. me, tell me why at 4 in the morning. started when I was young because okay. I'd, I'd get up and I'd do the paper route and I'd work out. Um, you the paper route. Paper route, man. There's 10 kids. We had to pitch in. And, and, and all 10 kids are like me. So imagine my parents both working, yeah, yeah, trying yeah, to feed yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we do the paper route. I'd get my workout in and then I'd go do school. And, and it stayed with me in the aspect that uh, training is foundation. Training has nothing to do with your life or your business. Training is your foundation. It's getting your mind right. It's, it's getting into a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that approach. And that's why it's 4 o'clock in the morning, 4 to 6. You can't give me a reason besides you're tired. Um, there's no work to be done at 4 to 6 in the morning. Um, you don't need to make calls at 4 to 6 in the morning. The only thing is, so you give up a couple things at night to get to bed on time so you can train at 4 to 6, you get your space, and you never miss a workout. I, well, I feel we're, we're exactly the same that way. For me, it's like, you know, even with the family, I'm like, well, they're sleeping. You know what I mean? I'm not taking time away from the family. So while they're sleeping, I'm going to go get my work done. And, you know, at this point, after a while, it, it has become my new drug. You know, like if I don't work out, then the whole next day I'm cloudy, I don't feel right, I'm stumbling, I'm, I'm slurring my words. You know, I'm just not the same person. I'm, I'm not at my optimal when I don't work out at 4 o'clock in the morning. But now that you do that, how productive? Oh, absolutely. Like, I crush it. Yeah. I crush it. And I, I can't go any other way. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the king of productivity now because of that. Because everything gets done, everything is scheduled, and I get stuff. Yeah. So when people say to you, uh, I, got, I, I don't have the time. You know, that's bullshit, man. You know, that's bullshit. It's not, it's not, well, it's not the time. It's not priority. Right. You know, it's, it, you're going to make time for what's priority. You know? Somebody said that. They said, uh, change the terminology. Say, um, uh, instead of saying, I, I don't have the time or something like that, just say, I don't want it. Yeah, exactly. And then see how that 100%, feels. 100%. 100%. I mean, I mean, look, man, if the President of the United States can make time to work out, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, we get a lot busier people. Than, I, w- I was, you know, uh, I got a message uh, while we were working out. You know, somebody DM me on IG. You know, they were like, they're like, I want to work out of time, but, but I want to sleep. When do you sleep? I said, I sleep when I'm dead. You know what I mean? Like, I got, you know, I, you know, my life is amazing. I don't want to sleep. You know, I'm trying to maximize as much time. I know the importance of sleep. And I, I go to bed, you know, I go to bed about 9.30 every night. But if I get five, six hours of sleep, I'm good. I don't need nine hours of sleep. I remember when I was bodybuilding, Mike, um, when, I was, when I came here, I was working um, as a personal trainer at, power, at, at Milos's powerhouse gym, you know, I was getting, I was working like 30 hours there. I was going to school when I'm going to school full time at uh, Los Angeles College of Chiropractic. I was taking like 20, 22 units, right? And I was bodybuilding and I was doing everything. And my colleagues, 
you know, you know, they're like, well, man, I need my rest. I can't have a job. And they were living off their girlfriends. You know, I mean, like their girlfriends were paying their bills. You know what I mean? You know, and I, and, and I was going to school doing all that. And the, and the fun part is that when we competed, I kicked their ass. And I realized, man, if I sit home, you stay, all I want to think about is food. I'm too busy to think about food. <laughs> <laughs> I was running I'm around. With you, man. I came in straight. If I think, sit here, my, the fridge is right there. Every commercial is like a food commercial. Yeah. I'm like, I can't do this, man. I got, I got to get out of here. It's funny because I'll say, uh, and, and the more studies we do, um, they're finding out that it's it's the quality of sleep, not sleep. And everybody's stuck on hours. Everybody's stuck on the seven and a half is what the uh, the doctor says. You got to get your seven and a half hours. It's actually the deep sleep that you need to get to fo- get fully recovered. And then it's also on top of that. It is. I ask people. I say, let's say hypothetically, you sleep ten hours. I sleep five. You wake up after 10 hours knowing that you hate your freaking job and, and where you are with your life right now, and you go and live your day. In those next 14 hours that you're awake, you got to do this thing that you hate, where I wake up and I'm excited at 3 o'clock because I get to train at 4 o'clock, um, and I get to go bust that, and then after that I can work from 6 to whenever, kicking ass on, on, on the business that I love. So whose cortisol is released? Yeah. Right? Sure. Throughout the day. Sure. Who's going to break down everything? Sure. Um, and who's happy and enjoying and then going, all right, time to shut it down and let me get to sleep because I get to get up tomorrow morning. You and I function off of five, six hours. Talking about sleep, do you have any, any hacks for sleep? Do you, it, do, do you have an, anything that you do, any, any rituals you do that, you know, you said, okay, well, you know, I'm sure you have like a pre-workout regimen, you know, you know, something you do. Do you have any hacks for sleep before you go to bed? I do X, Y, and Z. Um, uh, easy reading is uh, puts you out for 100%. me. One hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta do that. And I grew up with dyslexia, so reading is one of those things that I cannot stand. And and so I, if I do that, um, but it's basically just shutting down the mind for me. Yeah. For me, it's it's the excitement about the next day. Uh, I'll fight all day long, like we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's an approach, like a, a barbarian or a warrior. I just attack the day, and then when it's time and it's done. Put the gloves down in a sense, turn off the TV, make sure that's off, make sure there's no uh, disturb. Um, I turn on a high-powered fan upstairs so that I get some good white noise. The pups come to bed and I'm, I'm out. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's, it's just, the other thing too is always on the forefront of my mind, if I do this, then this is what's going to happen. I'll be able to continue the life. And, mm-hmm. and then what I did was I did that one day at a time. And then it's turned in since the day you saw me on the yeah. cover to today. Yeah. And it's so that it, one it, day. It, it, you just got that routine packed. You know, you know, you do something for so long, you know exactly like the basketball player at the free throw line. You know, he goes, dribble the basketball three times. You know, Boom. flip it, he knows the shot. And after a while, you got that down. So we talked about pre-workout, right? So tell me about your pre-workout regimen. Tell me, tell me like, what, what, are, what are some of the rituals that you do? Because I know you work out at 4 a.m. I know exactly what I do. But I'm curious to see what you do. Now, I got to hear this, so tell me what you do. Okay, so so first thing first, man, I got to have my clothes set out the night before. I'm, okay. I'm that guy. You know, I got I to gotta have, I, I do everything the night before. So my clothes are already set out. You know, I don't take any caffeine or anything, but I do take a pump formula. You know, so I have that set up. I put like, right with Gatorade Zero. It's right next to my dresser. So I get up, get dressed, you know, drink my, drink my little pump formula. I go downstairs to my office. 
and I read my goals three times. When I, while I'm reading my goal, I actually recorded myself um, recording it. So I'm reading and listening to my goals three times. You know right that? I'm, I'm headed to the gym. Nice. That's a good little yeah. start. Yeah. That's a nice thing. What's the time on that? So, so I get up at 3. I'm finished by 3.40. And I'm at, I'm at the gym by 4. The same. Yeah. When do you eat? So, or are you fast? So, so here's the thing. I've been experimenting, and I'm, I'm going to talk to you about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk to you about I've been experimenting with different... Because at this point, I'm not competing anymore. Mm-hmm. So when I was competing, it was like every three hours, every uh, two and a half hours. I know where hours, you're going I mean? with this. Every like two and a half hours. Like, right. I, you know, I'm the guy who left, you know, you know, when I was going to school, you know, I had three big bags. Everyone made, made fun of me. So I had a bag of, of my school clothes, you know, back my gym clothes and my food, and bag of, um, you know, um, just, just the books. So I came, I came there with three bags all the time going there. Everybody made fun of me. Like, where are you going? I'm like, dude, I got my work. I got my clothes. And I got I to study. So, so I've been experiencing. So for years, I was doing a traditional bodybuilding diet. Every two and a half hours, you know, you know, a regular meal, protein shake, regular meal, protein shake. You know, Bill Phillips, yeah. 101. Um, but now that, you know, you know, I experimented one time with, with ketogenic diet. When, and that was when, remember Mike Perillo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, remember when, that when he came back, came out with Cap Tribe, yeah. the first MCT of his time, yep. from what I know. And so I started with that, and I wasn't doing it right because I was too afraid to drop down my protein at that time. Because oh, I need protein and a bodybuilder, so that was kicking me off the keto. Um, and I remember taking a test one time in Penn State, and I had no carbs for literally three uh, days. Right, I blanked out. What was your fats at? See, I was, I was. Were you I was, doing the MCTs? No. Okay. No, I was messing up. Man. Okay. I okay. was messing up. I was too afraid to eat fast. I was too eating. So I was eating all protein. I had no, I had no fuel. Oh, you got my, nothing there. Yeah, and nothing. you're already in shape. So you had nothing. I had nothing it's there. not going to any fat on you. Yeah, it's a funny story. I got this chemistry test, right? No, it, it was physics. It was 25, um, 25 multiples of choice because I still remember to this day. And I'm going like the first five I crushed. First five, I'm like, that was easy. That's easy. I got to the sixth one. And I can't get the answer. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I start panicking. I get to the seventh one, I can't get the answer. After that, I started, you know, self-destructed. No, profusely sweating. (laughs) I started shaking. And I'm like, and the teacher was like, you have five minutes left. I went A, C, D, E. And and I tried to hack the teacher because they give you an A and B test. I didn't put which which test I took because I'm like, I fucked up so bad. I'm like, give me the higher one. So the teacher calls me up, goes, Sam. You took the test, but he didn't tell me which test you took. Was it A or was it B? I'm like, you know what? I don't know. She was right around both. You only got 25%. <laughs> I went from an A average to a yeah. C average. You know, and that's what that's when I found out that, you know what? You need some fuel, whether it's fat, yeah. whether it's carbs. You need something. So today you fasted. Today I've been, I've been doing intermittent fasting. Okay. Let me ask I mean, you this huh? then. Uh, are you experimenting more with nutrition now? Because you're not competing. Absolutely. And, and the reason for that is why? Because I, when, when you're competing, you're afraid, right? You're afraid to try new things. You're afraid to, you know, you've been taught that, okay, you need to eat every two and a half, three hours. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure your body has protein all the right. time. That's what you've been taught. And that's what worked for me for so long. But now I'm like, I'm not competing. I'm not trying to get yoked. I'm not trying to step on stage. I just want to be healthy. I want to maintain. So I'm more, I'm more, you know, open to, you know, different diets. And I love that. Because I've been doing that for the last... 
at least 12 to 15 years, I'll, I'll try different things, um, mostly because I want to be able to talk on everything. Mm-hmm. And so, first of all, don't talk about anything that you don't do yourself. Yep, absolutely. Right? Apply it to yourself. Now, if it works on you, great. Now, apply it to clients or people that you work with. See how it works with them. And that's one of the greatest things is I got to really study. Because the other thing is we've been jacked our whole lives in a sense. Um, and there's a lot of muscle there that's not going to go anywhere, yeah. regardless of how yeah. we diet. Um, so I'll, I'll experiment on all sorts of stuff. How low can I go with my protein? Um, and there was a whole year I did uh, about four ounces per meal. Which, which is like, which is nothing for, for you. For a 280-pound <laughs> guy. So, you know, yeah. It's for a 125-pound girl. Yeah. Um, my girl eats more than that. <laughs> and so, um, but experimenting like that or doing a keto diet or, or doing the zone diet or doing anything like that, uh, a diabetic diet or anything, you learn. Mm-hmm. You learn, you learn, you learn. Um, and so it's one of the greatest things. And I love that you did that. But we're like students. Yeah. That we love this craft of what nutrition well, can do. If you come to my house, man, I'm still a nerd, man. You know, I'm a nerd. I, was, I study all this stuff. You know, I want to learn. I want to know the technicalities. I want to be able to talk about it. I want to know what it does. I was the guy, you know, that went to school because, you know, I went to pre-med and nutrition and studied it there and then came home, came to the gym and applied it and then also read the magazines and came and applied it, trying to figure out, trying to hack the body, figure out how yep. to make it stronger, faster, yep. better, leaner, you know. So out of all the diets that you have, Let's talk about that because yeah. I, I love picking your brain. See what I'm going to answer one question real quick. Mm-hmm. I knew at a young age, because we're going to go back to the very start of this, is, is what triggered me to go, I want this for longevity over everything yeah. else. And yeah. it's when I did the photo shoot with Joe Weider, there was a, a, a Mr. Olympia and stuff there, and uh, four of the uh, finalists in the top 10. And after they got done, he saved me for last, and they were all gone. And he said to me, how you look today is how the majority of society wants to look, so don't change that. And I'm sitting there, and I already won the universe by then. And I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, I'm stronger than everybody else. Because when I first got to Gold's, I was already the strongest guy coming from a powerlifting background. And my training partner was Tom Platz. So we're sitting there doing 315 um, for 50 reps on squats and doing three-and-a-half-hour workouts. And so it's like the greatest thing in the world. But as a 20-year-old, I could hang with them, if not beat them, all of them in strength and so that ego part was satisfied in a sense and then when it came to um, getting so jacked from the universe to go to win the Mr. Olympia it wasn't a dire need for me Yeah. Um, mostly because Joe Weider was somebody that I respected more than anything and then he's, he brought me down and I knew that he brought Arnold down or over and so I was like geez uh, if this guy says this that's more appealing to me than nine judges saying, hey, you got the best body. I'd rather have the guy, and I already saw what the stuff could do. Exactly, and it's like, 100%. If I'm already winning at life, yeah. how's, the, how's a, a title going to change it? Yeah, you and were interested in winning at life and longevity, not just a title. And that I mean? changed my and, whole and, life. And, and plus, I mean, look, you know, you are, you've been on the more cover of, you know, everyone. Everyone, you know, except Arnold, you know, I mean, think about that for a second. Obviously, you did the right thing, you know, and, and, and you, you took, but it's so hard because at that age, you were mature enough to make that decision, which a lot of people at that age are not mature enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I don't know if it was mature or that I loved the fact of being different. I, I grew up in special ed classes because I couldn't read. Um, and that made that anger even more so. Yeah. Like, okay, all right, you want me to be different? I'm going to be different. I'm going to be so different that I'll be the only person like me. Mm-hmm. And I love that aspect of it. And, and, and when Joe said what he said, he says, there's another opportunity for me to be different than everybody else yeah. and, and do my own road and my own thing. And you certainly did that. You certainly did that. Nobody has done what you have done in the fitness industry for as long as you have. You know, um, so you you definitely did you you did yeah. that. You, you definitely did that. How do we how do we get the kids to understand that and to be that? Because that's one of the things that I, I if I can try to tell them because you know the stuff with people coming up going hey you're strong it's like yeah I get that they're strong people, um, but how do you get the, the to transfer that 1983 I won my show, it's almost 2020. And I'm still in that condition, which, like you said, nobody in the health and fitness world ever stayed strong every single day of every year Mm -mm. for, you know, almost, it'll be 40 years when I'm said and done in that sense. But how do we translate that from us and give that to them to take that and run with it? I think it's simply... simply Because everybody wants to be the same, everybody in a sense. They don't want to be a standout. It's simply showing them and educating them, I guess. You know what I mean? I mean, your story right now, now that I hear it, you know, it, it's, it's so inspiring, you know. But the problem is this, like, the problem, Mike, is that everyone wants things fast. Everyone, everyone <sighs> nobody wants to delay gratification. You know, you know, I've learned the number one, the number one success. Thing. If you want to be successful, you know that about the, uh, the marshmallow test, right? The marshmallow test is a study that did it in Stanford in the 1940s. Right, so they had seven or eight kids, you know, sitting down, and they brought marshmallows in front of them, and they said, for every marshmallow you don't eat within thirty seconds or a minute, we give you another marshmallow, you know, and some kids ate it, some kids licked it, some kids didn't eat it, you know, and then they followed these kids for the rest of their life, and they found out that the kids who were able to not eat the marshmallow, which means delay gratification, were the ones who were able to be a lot more successful, a lot more successful than the counterparts. These days, everyone wants things fast. We're in a microwave society. Give it. I want. I want muscles fast. I want knowledge fast. I want to become a multi multi millionaire fast. Nobody wants to put in the work and the hard work. I mean, and that was me too. I mean, I, I'll be the first one to tell you. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I fell. I fell into that. You know what I mean? And it takes education. When, when, when somebody comes up and a kid comes up, tell me, Hey, Sam. You know, I want to work out, and you know, and, and I want to do this. And should I take some steroids? I go, Bro. Take your body as far as it can go naturally, and at that time, if you still want to do it, then let's talk go about on, that. Go for right? it. You know what I mean? But yep. don't, don't. You're gonna ground zero to hundred. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, trans because because I think you're hundred percent correct on this, um, and I always agree with the idea. If 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 you want to compete and do your stuff or go to that position, do as much as you can prior and build a foundation, yeah. something that you have. Absolutely. Um, because the one thing that you will see a lot of is, and you've been in the gym long enough to see this, is the guy that comes in at ground zero, just jumps on it, <laughs> and then he has this uh, great body, and then goes right back to ground zero again. And I don't think people understand. I think people under- think that if you take it, you get to keep everything. Mm-hmm. You don't get to keep it. What well, goes up fast, I learned one thing in life. Whatever goes, goes up, up fast must come down. Mm-hmm. So take that. Over to nutrition, 
because mm-hmm. this will explain why I believe in what I believe okay. in. And I've done every diet there Got is. It. I've eat, eat grass and grow diet. I, I've done it all, Got it. in a sense. Um, so don't you think uh, with the, the fad diets and the craze and, oh, I, I did keto and I lost weight. No, what you did is you just stuck with a program. 100%. And now, here's the other thing that you agree, uh, understand, is that if you go from eating bad or whatever it is to a, a certain diet and a program, that's great. But now if you go to a place where you're going to change how your body functions or utilizes nutrients and then go in such a deficit, what's going to happen when you get done with that diet? You're going to go back to the old ways and eat and blow back up. So why does society believe that the trick is a diet plan, uh, a, a trick, uh, 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 a, a zone diet or a, uh, organic, gluten-free, grass-fed, whatever diet? Why do they think it's that instead of just getting onto a plan? You know, it's, it's because it's a gratification. Everyone wants things fast. You know, you know that. Everyone, you know, no, no, nobody wants to lose one to two pounds a week. That's not, that's not sexy. That's not sexy. You want to lose 20 pounds in a week. You know, because what, what happens is people go, go to the gym because all of a sudden they have a cruise coming up next week. You know, you know, oh, Sam, I got a cruise coming up next week. I need to lose 20 pounds. Well, shit, I needed to see you at least eight weeks ago. You know, I can't, I can't, you know I'm good. I'm not going I'm not going to mess your metabolism up. Right. You know, so we live in a society where everyone wants things fast. Nobody wants to work for it. They want to do the least amount of work and get the most amount of results. And that's not how life works. Right. Um, to answer your question on what I do with nutrition yeah. is I'll play around with everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll try different things. Um, but I'll always come back to one aspect, and that is being able to keep my calories as high as possible. When the calories get too low, the body disappears and mm-hmm. fades away. Um, the one thing that we lose as we age is the bone density. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, the second thing is when, when you start moving away from calories and calories and the way carbohydrates work and how protein works and how fats work, and you start getting rid of it going, well, I'm older now, so I'm, I'm allergic to everything. <laughs> Wait, are you allergic to everything or you're not giving your body enough time to adapt to it again? Because mm-hmm. you and I understand what happens if you run away from carbohydrates. And people don't... I learned the hard way. <laughs> Listen, we all did. But, but you run away from carbohydrates. When you get back on carbohydrates, you blow up like a balloon. That's everybody. You're not allergic to it. Your body just forgot how to function. Yeah. And it seems like people go, no, 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 I'm allergic to it now. <laughs> All of a sudden. <laughs> All of a sudden. Okay. Here's the, you know, I live with a girl that can eat croissants in the morning, bread in the afternoon, and, and pasta at night. And, and she just thin. had a baby. <laughs> and she's back in shape. As a six-pack. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, guys, stop that. Stop Stop saying that it's your genetics and stop saying it's this and that. It's just so tell, tell me your typical regimen. T- 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 tell, me, tell me your typical eating day. It's always different because okay. I'm always getting ready because I'm always on stages and guest posing mm-hmm. and traveling and doing shoots. So I'm the worst in that sense. But I'm, the one thing that I'm great about is that I'm always on a plan. Mm-hmm. And I've been on a plan since I was nine years old. <laughs> So that's no the choice. greatest thing. was like, hey, man, you need to eat some protein right now. Actually, no, I wanted it. <laughs> and that was the greatest thing, too. And I'm trying to, and now that you and me, you know, this is my first time being a parent. Yeah. And I want to try to teach them the same way my parents taught me. And that's by not teaching, in a sense. Show, by me doing it. what I do. 
And hopefully that translates well, I mean, to him. I mean, he has no choice. Titan has no choice. Yeah, mom's in there deadlifting yeah, yeah, and sumo no, deadlifting no, no, no and slamming weights. Gosh, he has no choice. I, I want to see him from the side. I'm like, I seen him when he was four months old. Yeah. He has no choice, man. So in, in the sense is, is my calories will always go back regardless of how I diet or what I do. Um, and I've fasted and I've done keto and I've done it all. Um, but I'll always go back to a portion of time where I give my body 12 weeks to get as high calories again. And I'll go to the point of where um, I get back to the good sleep patterns. I'll, I'll have fruit before bed. It puts me in a nice, mm-hmm. deep sleep. Um, you wake up so full and so strong. Um, so I'll always do that, and I'll always believe in the calories are your best friend in the world. Mm-hmm. And carbohydrates is longevity. Yeah. I know people think it's fat or, or it's protein, but it's carbohydrates. Carbohydrates is energy, and carbohydrates is what's going to keep your calories high. And if your body can utilize them, and you give your body time to utilize them and understand how they function, they're a great thing. I mean, look, man, in the 90s, right, fat was a bad thing, right? Yep. So remember fat-free days, fat, it was, everything was fat-free, right? Everything was fat-free, but yet America got fatter, right? Then, you know, in the 2000s, and, you know, the carb was, was the enemy, Right now they have carb-free this and carb-free that, and guess what? We still got fatter. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's a fat or a carb thing. It's just a matter of hey, you're not moving more. You're not, you know, you're not moving as much, and you're eating more. Just just eating just junk food, refined sugars, and all kinds of junk stuff. That's that's the problem. It's not that. You know, I was talking to Bill Phillips a year ago or so. He said, you know what? He goes, you know, 20 years ago, nobody had allergy to gluten. It's a 2000 thing. It was like only like 0.1% of population is you know, allergic to gluten. All of a sudden, there's this gluten-free everything. He said, it's not gluten, it's glutton. <laughs> you just got uh, stuff, I stuff, like Bill. Stuff, I like Bill. stuff in your face. Yeah, it's the truth. I, it's funny because I, I, I love Richard Simmons. And I think Richard Simmons actually kind of got it right. Um, and the aspect of keeping it so simple. And you and I study this. And if, if we want to get into a dialect and go deep into this with somebody, we can do that. Yeah. Um, and it's going to confuse them. Yeah. Absolutely confuse them. But Richard did it, and he broke it down in a simple way. Uh, eat a little less than you were eating, in a sense, if you were eating bad. Um, you know, cut back on the pizzas and stuff. And move a little bit more. That's it. How hard is that? It's not that hard. <laughs> but, but, but you and I have seen this every year. And, and I love the guys and girls that come in on New Year's Day. And they get on the cardio, right in the back, right on the cardio, and they start running. It's a new year. I'm going to get in shape. Two weeks Holy later, cow. And I think two weeks later, they're gone. They're gone. But they're it's gone. like, why, why run? You didn't train all year. <laughs> Wouldn't walk and do the same thing at this point? They're serious now, though. Oh. 2017 was just play around. 2018 was a warm-up. And 2019 is the real deal. This That's why. That's what they say every year. Oh, this, this year is real. Come on, man. Stop the bullshit. Start on a Sunday. Start on a Monday. Start on a Tuesday. Don't wait till, you know, wait till. Just start on a program. And and any program, um, anything that you want to try, I'm fine with. Any kind of diet you want to start, just stick with it for a while. Stick to it, man. That's it. And then allow your body at times to um, learn all foods. You know, hopefully for everybody that's watching, they understand life's a long period. And I want everybody to live for a long period. But when you start going, hey, you know what? I'm not going to have pasta the rest of my life. 
that's well, that's something can't, I yeah. can't make that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I can't do that. I don't have that much willpower. You know, I, for for me, what's been working lately is because I know I I, I can't graze. You know, when I'm grazing on food, you know, having small meals, I'm hungry all the time. Yeah. You know, it's all I can think of. I'm at work, all I'm thinking about, oh, my God, what's my next meal? I need it. Right. So I want to be focused. So what I've been doing, I've been fasting till I get home. Okay. And when I get home, when I start eating, so at night, I eat the biggest meal. Because I work out at 4 a.m. Like right. So at 4 a.m., when I come in, I'm ready. The food is already absorbed. You know, they're, 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 my glycogen levels are replenished. I'm ready for war at 4 o'clock because that's my most important. I need to be energetic. There you go. But if I eat during the day and I'm crazy, I'm always hungry. And if I eat a big meal during the day, I'm lethargic. I'm, I get a little more tired and I want to kind of, you know, take an anabolic nap and I don't have that freedom. Right. You know, I want, I want to be able to be as productive as possible. So that's what's been working for me. How long will you do that? Um, I've been doing that for about six months. Six months? Yeah, I mean, remember, like, you know how you've been taught a certain way. You know, what, what did they tell you back in the day when you were bodybuilding? Eat six or seven small frequent meals every two and a half hours. You know, eat like a king in the morning, like a peasant in the evening, right? Oh, you know, I like that. You know, you know that, that's, what, that, that's what it's all about. So, 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 you know, I ate more during the day and, you know, oh, don't eat after six or eight, whoever the fuck, you know, you know, you know, you know taught that. So I cut, I cut my food like six or seven o'clock. And then, remember, I work at four, I work out at four, four had nothing. I would come in, I, wouldn't, I couldn't get a pump. I couldn't have left anything. I had no, I had nothing. And I did that for years. And I'm looking back, I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. Mm. You know, you know, your body is not like, okay, it has to be it. Your body is all the time. Your metabolism is all the time. It's not like a 24 hours is what we gave it. You know what I mean? I think it, it's, it's the silly thing to say, should I not eat at night? Because uh, um, uh, what, what happens when you sleep? Your body just shuts down, doesn't do anything? <laughs> it's what I told uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's recovering. Your, your, your heart it's is going not working, to nutrients. your lungs not working. Um, and, and I think people find out now, it's mostly, uh, I have this Titan mentor group, and uh, I work with them on nutrition and mm -hmm. training. And, and a lot of them come to me and they go, well, I'm not sleeping well, because there's nothing keeping you asleep at this point. You know, we've got leaner. You, you, you're not eating before bed, and so now there's nothing keeping you to sleep. Which goes with the territory if you're getting ready for a show. Then it is what it is. Um, but when you get done with that show, get back to the food. Get back to making sure you have something at night before you go to bed. How can somebody, you know, listen to this or, you know, um, get in your time group? They just go over and sign up for my app. That's okay. it. It's free. Well, what's the app called? Mike O'Hearn's um, Training. Just go Mike to Mike O'Hearn. Just go okay. to Mike O'Hearn. Okay. They can find that. Because I know somebody's going to be like, man, I, you, know, you know, people want to get on that, man. I mean, yeah. Well, Michael Hearn, tell me about your business. You have gyms. Yeah. Tell me more. Oh, man, let me tell you a little quick history. Do. Okay? So I, we came to America. You know, when I say we, me and my mom, you know, my dad left us when I was three years old, you know, and we came to America. Where were you born? I'm, I'm Iranian. I'm okay. Persian, you know, so just like Rez. You know, we came to France. Eh, yeah, he's Rez. Yeah, I know, right? I know. He's, he's kind of it's like a blonde Fabio, right? Yeah. <laughs> so and, and and then we came to France, and then we came to America as refugees of war. And the whole time when I was coming to America, I thought that um, 
I thought that, you know, I was coming to, um, you know, Beverly Hills because that's the sh what they show you. Right. I, you know, Dallas Dynasty in the yep. 18. That's what I was watching at the time. So I'm going to America. Everybody has Good shows, too. Yeah, remember? <laughs> it's like the Kardashians. For people who don't know, you're young people. It's like the Kardashians of the time, right? You know, um, a lot better, though. Yeah. Uh, a lot better. Because, you know, that's a bad More substance. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> Sorry, man. That was horrible. You know? Um, you know, so I was thinking I'm coming. Everybody has Cadillacs and mansions and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I didn't know there was other parts of the U.S. So we had one relative, who was, was my uncle, my mom's brother, and he lived in a little town called Sharon, Pennsylvania. And so we came to Sharon, Pennsylvania, and this is 1985, but the, the biggest industry there was steel. Yeah. All the cell mills shut down, and in the middle of crack cocaine epidemic, and what do Middle Easterns do when they come to America? When, when they, they open up convenience stores in the hood. In the hood. So he picked us from the airport, um, um, Pittsburgh Airport. We went to Idaho Street in Sharon, which is not even paved. There are signs that says no loitering or you get arrested. And there was pimps, prostitutes, and drug dealers everywhere on the street. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is not the America I imagined. You know, I mean, this, this, it, it was horrible. You know, I'm like, this is, this is like, this is crazy. Where is JR? Where, where is the mansions and the Cadillacs? You know? So, I went to school. I didn't speak language. I didn't have the same clothes as everybody else. I had a unibrow, everything. You know, I you know, stuck out like a sore thumb. I went to the seventh grade, and I said, okay, I want to enroll, and I'm going to learn English, but uh, I want to play football. They're like, yeah, football. You know, they just showed me the football. I'm like, nah. my English is not that good, but this is the foot. <laughs> I know that. And that's the ball. They go, no, that, what you're talking about is soccer. And we don't have a soccer team. And that was my sport. Oh. From 3 to 11, that's all I... And if people was, don't realize Pittsburgh is football. Yeah, I mean... I mean, it's I mean like the, in, the in American football. Yeah. In 1985. Yeah, in 1985. All yeah. the right moves yeah. and... Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So when I walked into the school, I was the only minority in the whole town, in the whole school. There was black people, there was white people, and there was Sam. So I got discriminated against. I got beat up. I got bullied. I got call names. And that made me who I am as far as being resilient. But the worst thing that happened to me, which ended up being the best thing, you know, you know, in life, all the worst things are your best things, right? So I remember, I'm like, okay, I just need to belong because I was a star soccer player, you know, growing up. And I want to be able to do something. I don't know what baseball is to this day. I don't know what base, how how baseball, you know, I watch it. I don't know what the. Don't worry, I'm American. I don't know how baseball either. <laughs> so so football, I'm a big fan of, but I didn't know, and I was in, I was a scrawny kid, so I went, I, I tried out for the basketball team, and I got cut. Mike, I, I was the only person that got cut. The guy, his name was Dan Candiotti. He had triple bifocals and couldn't even see the ball. He made the fucking team. I didn't make the team. <laughs> you know what I mean? I walked home in, in I walked home two miles in in in, uh, in snow. Cried, cried, cried. My mom said, "What's wrong?" I said, "Mom, I want to go back home. I don't like this country. I don't like the people here. They 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 don't like me. I don't I don't fit in. I want to go home." She was like, "That's not an option. We don't have that option." She said, "Here's what you do. You know, after school." Go to the boys' club, practice basketball, try out next year. Mm -hmm. So every day, that was the plan. So between 2.30 and 5, I practiced basketball. But one day, Mike, when I went to, to the boys' club, there was a little room upstairs, man, and these guys were coming down. They're all like, Jack, bro, they were like this, they were like this. And they looked I, like res. Yeah, yeah, and you, you know? And, and then uh, at that time, I was watching the Sylvester Sloan movies and, and, uh. and, 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 and Schwarzenegger movies. and You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean? Good years, man. You know, I remember staring at Arnold's arm when he was holding a gun for like hours, bro. Like, I'm, and I looked at him like, this guy looked like Arnold and stuff like that. I want to be able to, let me see what's going on. 
So I went to this, you know, this room upstairs, and it was just like about 400 square feet, bunch of old, old rusty weights, bunch of steel workers coming after work in their boots and their overalls. Lifting insane. That's that's your kind of gym. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> I saw, I saw oh my god! I was like, I, I want to go to this gym now. <laughs> oh, and and just just lifting this insane waist, spitting tobacco, slapping each other, chalked up everywhere. You know, and whoever got there first, you know, played the music. So that somebody brought the boombox. If you were black and you were playing rap, if you were white, it was rock. So somebody's always pissed off. Somebody's always pissed off. So I looked in there. I'm like, man, I was too intimidated. I would wait till they leave. And when they left, you know, I started lifting a little bit of weights. And if you know, I never left the weights before. You're not supposed to do weightlifting by yourself first time. I dropped the weight so many times on my chest, man. And I almost died, right? But what it did after, after a month or so, it gave me some baby muscles. Yeah. And baby muscles, I, I define them as muscles that nobody can tell on you, you can tell on yourself. So I was in front of a mirror one day, I was flexing and flexing, and my mom was like, what are you doing? I'm like, mom, look at my muscles. She's like, what muscles? I'm like, mom, check out that, check. do you see the line? And I just, I, I just became infatuated. I became obsessed. So everything that I had, every little allowance that I got, I went to buy the magazine, you know, you know, I saw you in the magazine that I saw you in, you know, looking at your stuff, you know. And I went to the GNC and bought, like, the latest amino acid, 800, 1800, whatever, or something like that. So I remember, like, going over there, lifting, popping an amino acid pill in between sets and flexing. I'm like, is anything change? Anything change? And that's how I became obsessed about that. And, and f- fast forward to today, you know, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have my passion become my paycheck. So, you know, I own the Camp Transformation Centers. We have a 125 location international franchise. I own a couple of supplement companies, Myosport and 1% Nutrition. And I'm just, I am the American dream. You know, you know, and I am the American dream. And, and, and it's, been, it's been such a ride, man, when I look back. You know, when I look back. And Sharon, by the way, if you drive a Honda Accord, you are either a doctor or a drug dealer. And if you were young, you were a drug dealer. When I first came to California... I only seen BMWs and Mercedes in magazines, you know? And I remember, like, coming there, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I've always been a car fan. I remember going to South Coast Plaza for the first time, and I'd look at the valet and look at what was out there. I didn't even go to the mall. I didn't want to go to the mall. I was just outside like a stalker looking inside of these cars, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? So it just blew my mind, just like when I first walked in Gold's Gym. It blew my mind. And as you know, when your mind is expanded, Whatever it is, whether it's bodybuilding, whether it's cars, whether it's money, whether it's whatever success, you're going to be able to expand. I love that. It's, it's funny. One great thing about the podcast is that I got to meet uh, such elite humans, um, but none of them came from money. All of them had a downfall. All of them had a hardship. Um, uh, most of them came from overseas. Um, again, most couldn't speak the language and they all became successful and not just successful, not just average, not just surviving, but just the American dream, the, 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 the living it. And you do, you wake up at three o'clock and you're excited for your day and it's because of everything you went through, man, it's such a, uh, I guess a commonality that I, I wish more people would understand those hardships come, but it's what happens 
from that hardship and it's the greatest thing that could come from that hardship. Yeah, I think for, for all the people who are listening to this, you know, um, you know, I've had so many, so many hardships and so many, so many times that I thought, you know what, I mean, I mean, I mean here, here are some of my downfalls, right? Obviously, you, you heard the story coming to America without a dad and $500 in one suitcase, you know, you know uh, getting cut from the basketball team. Bro, I've been divorced. You know, I've been bankrupt. You know, my house has been foreclosed on. You know, um, you name it, I have gone through it. I've been evicted from, I remember one time that the landlord comes in to the gym that I owned. You, you know, here's an eviction notice. I was current. I was current, not that I was late. He said, I need the building, you have 30 days. I'm like, what am I going to do with my clients? You know what I mean? So every setback that I had at the time when I was younger, I was devastated, you know. But here's the thing. Some people get devastated and let a setback set them back and they go into deep depression and they never bounce. You know what, when, you have, when I have a setback, you know, what, you know what I do? I just go have a whole pizza, go to bed, and next day, I'm right back on. Right ready. <laughs> right back ready, on, ready. Right back, I'm ready to battle. I'm like, okay, how, how I'm gonna be able to do it? And for those of people who are listening, you know, setback is a perfect stage for a comeback. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, you don't see it right now, and you, know, you, you might not see it, but Steve Jobs said, you never see the dots going forward, you connect the dots going backwards. You know, and now that now now when a big challenge comes in my life, Mike, I just laugh. You know, you know, kind of some of the MMA fighters when they get punched straight and they laugh. They smile. They okay. Smile. Yeah. Okay, you got me. You got it's me. on I now. Like it. You know, I like it. So when, it's a great when, metaphor. When, you know, when when life now punches me in the face, you know, I just smile like, yep, you got me. I, I know, I, I know what I got to do now. I so, love that. Yeah, I love that, yeah. man. Thanks for taking time today. Brother, uh, we're going to do this again because mm-hmm. I, I, I want to, at, at a future time, jump into uh, the business aspect on what you've been able to do. Absolutely. Um, I, I, know, I know more than you guys know, and so I want to go into that. And then I also want to go a little deeper on uh, nutrition. No doubt. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff I think you and I can get into on this nutrition on um the different aspects of what to do at what stages to do. Um, I would love then, to. I would love to learn your your perspective, you know, and and what you have done. So absolutely, I'm, you yeah. count me in. You tell me, and yeah. I'll be here. Yeah. And then uh, the understanding of longevity and how nutrition can help you in that aspect. Absolutely. And, and, and the training. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Brother. Thanks for having me. I appreciate absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.